servant leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder, what the hell? These are the two worlds that I've been living in. One, with my churches, I've been doing the, the Methodist history stuff. So we've been doing the communion liturgies of all of them and talking about the lessons we can learn from the different iterations. Hmm. So that's, that's where my one brain space is. And then my other brain space is inhabited by the bane of our marriage, which is my hobby of, of, of studying the alt-right. Um, so those, <laughs> those are my brain things. Wow. What have you learned from your study of the alt-right? And oh, I can so, see why that would be a bane of marriage. Well, because, well, there's well, one so podcast he, he in particular. It, yes, he does it specifically through listening to this one podcast. That That's the main thing. I do do other things. I know, but okay. That's That listens to Alex, uh, Jones. Alex Jones's radio show. Or Are you kidding me? Show. Yes. Um, and, yeah, I have, I have a friend. I have a friend at school who does, who listens to the same podcast. Yes. And so she has woken up many times. I'm in the kitchen making coffee and listening to the sweet dulcet tones have, of Alex Jones. I have an anxiety response to that man's voice now. Yeah. <laughs> I use headphones. Sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's it's interesting. It's it's given our conversations this new like layer of anytime we talk about anything current events, John always has the like Ah, but 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 they would say it this way. This this is how they'd explain that aspect of things, and and so sometimes when I just want to vent, he uh, keeps bringing in <laughs> what the alt right would say about this thing, which isn't super fun. But you know, you just need to, you just need to put on a hat, <laughs> Heathcliff style, and say this is a vent, or this is a let's have a conversation. <laughs> That's I thought fair. you were talking about putting on a hat for the alt-right. Like, you just need to put on a hat. You just need to put on an alt-right hat, and then I'll know. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, a white hood or an alt-right hat. Same same thing. I, so what do you... But, but what value, or I guess, what's the, the value to a lack of value ratio, you know? So, what's the so, good to the bad ratio of this? For, for me, the good to bad ratio goes in like this. So first off, I love weird thinking. So like we're really into paranormal stuff and cryptids and that sort of like media ring of just like weird, uh, unexplainable stuff. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. brings you inevitably to conspiracy theories. Ah. In terms of conspiracy theories, like I, I have gone on the same parabolic arc that a lot of people do. And once you reach the the Plymouth the, or the zenith of that, then you have to make a choice: Am I going to believe conspiracy theories or slowly start to break them all down? I chose conspiracy theories are a cancer we have to remove. Yeah. Mm. And so I am obsessed with just learning more about this broken kind of thinking. And Alex Jones mm. is a, a hack fraud who you can cut into though. And see a lot of the thinking on display because he's not good at saying the he, he says the quiet part loud all the time. Hmm. And so the language that other people like your Tucker Carlson's are using to code the language you see in the things he puts out, he'll say the coded word and then what it actually means. And so it's a uh-huh. very easy way to do it. And also with those particular things of 
this podcast is I learn a lot about what is actually going on in the world that people are freaking out about. So when I have parishioners come up to me and say, I was listening to this thing and they said this, I can be like, ah, but did you know? And it, it, it aggregates the, the responses to people's stuff they heard on the way home for me in a helpful way. Okay. And I'm also just fascinated by the evil of it all. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the thing is not necessarily in our, our ministry settings and our church communities, but because we live in West Virginia and it is a more conservative place than we are, uh, we run into these ideas like just kind of when we're out and about more often than I think some of other parts, of, well, obviously than some other parts of the country. So it's kind of helpful to know why this sort of idea came about or where it came from or, or what it actually means. And although I, I have a trauma response to the podcast now, um, it's helpful for me to hear it from him just because I get that background too. Well, sometimes it, yeah. it's, it's oddly prescient because I'll hear something on there and then you'll say something. I'm like, oh, but darling, I know what that means now. <laughs> I found I found that my my partner really likes it when I say things like that too. Like when <laughs> when when she says something, and then I go, ah, but that's not correct. <laughs> then I can, then I can uh, fix her. Uh, she she thinks that's she's often tells me how sexy that is, and so I I do my best to do it as much as I can. Uh, broke. I, I like how you said that though, John. A little while ago, you're talking about broken thinking. Mm-hmm. I, I I like the way uh, you sort of present that because I think it. I think that's not a bad way to describe the conspiracy theory phenomenon in general. It reminds me sort of 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 uh, a G.K. Chesterton line hmm. in uh, in a he wrote. I think this came about in he wrote a book called Heretics, and I think this is where that this line comes from where he talks about um uh things like that right like like conspiracy theory thinking or or for him you know he also codes it as heretical thinking because he's sort of this catholic who Mm -hmm. who who sees heresy as also sort of inherently you know connected to some of these other things too um so that might be debatable but he he makes a comment about how um the thinking that kind of goes into conspiracy theory thinking or or heretical thinking or whatever he doesn't say it's broken but what he talks about is he he says it's he says it's tight and and infinitely rational but that's the problem the problem is is that it's it's so rational it's so um it's so rooted in like cause and effect that it has no room for revelation it has mm-hmm. no room for these these other forms of discourse and other forms of of like knowing it, so like um he wouldn't he didn't say this but like i think about like dr manhattan from the watchman and how and he makes a comment about how from a from a, a atomic perspective there is no difference between a dead body and an alive body you know and 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 i and maybe chesterton would say yeah, that's sort of what I mean. Like, like I suppose rationally, I guess you're you're right, mm-hmm. but like you fail to account for the the dozens of other ways humans know things and do things and 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 whatever. And so I think that it's a broken thinking might be another way of putting it too. I I, I like that because it, you know, rather than like the I I think of like the uh, the Sandy Hook truthers. 
right, who who are caught up in this really heinous, you know, kind of uh, logic, and and none of them, you know, seem to be confronted by the fact that there are other ways of thinking through this, right? Like an emotional way would be like, hey, what you're saying is like pretty disgusting emotionally. Like, like you can't, you can't, these are people who've lost their children. No, they aren't. Okay, well, you've totally failed. You failed. The, your thinking is broken. I like that. I like that. Well, and to, to build on that particular example, you know, there's these lawsuits going on of defamation against the Sandy Hook families. Right. And in one of the depositions, they had an InfoWars employee talk about, you know, they're like, did, was this set on air? And she said, well, I can't say if it was on air, but isn't it benevolent to wish that children are alive rather than dead? Right. It's totally and this insane. very broken idea, you know, this, and I like the idea of e- exceptionally rational to the point of irrationality, really, that mm. you, you've, you're missing it because you are so, of course, we want to think people are alive. Sure. Of course, we want people to be alive. But denying reality in the way you are doing, obviously not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that that wrecks me. That makes yeah. me think of like the people who are like, well, no, you have to tell gay people that they're going to hell because that gives them a chance to repent. It's actually right. nicer to tell them that they're going to hell because well, now they're not condemned to hell. <laughs> and I think that's the, the thing that we miss in progressive circles. And of course, this I'm doing here what every academic has ever done in writing a paper and saying, what people are missing is what I've got. Um, <laughs> but what we're missing is that so much of modern conservative Christianity comes out of the anti-communist movement and the conspiracy <laughs> theories associated therein. So in my mind, to understand why we're in the mess we're in, we have to unlock the code of why are these people so conspiratorial? Because then their focus on the Mark of the Beast makes sense. Right. By the way, UPC codes uh, the Mark of the Beast, that famous VHS tape people make fun of, filmed in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I have driven by where that church used to be. Um, So, uh, but that conspiratorial thinking. Uh, the, The communists sent the gays to break down society so that we could steal children and give them to gay couples. That comes back to that conspiracy mindset and then manifests in theology. And what we need to understand is we have to divorce ourselves from Chesterton's heretical thinking from the, uh, let me say that again, from the heretical thinking Chesterton showed us so that we can, so that we can go beyond it because we as progressives are fighting wars against the consequence rather than the source, Mm. which is, Mm. Hmm. Uh, to to switch now to a different writer, C.S. Lewis, the bent ways that people are going about things. Hmm. Their bent heart towards an inherent cruelty of exclusion. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Is Do you think Lewis is trying to be Augustinian with that bent? Because I always understood Augustine's curvatus to be like inwardly curved rather than outwardly focused. Do you think that Lewis is doing that or do you think yeah i think so because that's um out of the silent planet the only good book in that series that's fair but i think when he's talking about the the bent heart of of the of the people i think that's what it is because it's that inward because it's if you haven't read out of the silent planet i'll try and explain 
um, to, to anyone at home who's just like, what are they talking about? Um, out of the planet, guy goes to Mars, meets aliens that all worship God, but God has a different name. And the main thing that you find out about Earth and the people from Earth is that the archangel who was supposed to look over the planet became bent, focused so much on himself that he shut out all communication with heaven to the planet. So ah. humanity is completely cut off and angels break through occasionally. But the reason that the earth is the way it is, is that we learned from our fallen guardian to be selfish. And so I think that, I think that's the direction he's going is hmm. to say that by focusing so much on ourselves and our own definitions of truth and things like that, um, not in the postmodern sense, but in the like, you know, just denying reality, we have begun to reflect that fallenness around us. Do we think that individualism is part of the source of conspiracy theories, though? Because I feel like conspiracy theories are individuals in search of community. Like, that's how you get down the rabbit hole. Are you looking at I'm looking at you because I've talked way too much. Um, <laughs> I mean, but this is your wheelhouse. It is um, my wheelhouse, but you have to live in it. I do. <laughs> I bring you into this wheelhouse. So I always wonder what your thoughts are because sometimes I feel I mean, I do think so it's it's a focus on individuality, but as humans we're not made to be like lone people. So mm. we we are drawn to community, so a community based on individuality is something that I think is um enticing to conspiracy theorists, but would you say? No, I think that's good. Hmm. Like the the idea that like I as an individual have figured out that there are lizard people and like, oh, look, there's another person who knows what it is. And so we right. as individuals together. Yeah. And we get to be the seek. We know the secrets. They don't. Yeah. And it, and it goes into, again, and also, Christianity. If, if you can find someone else who, who supports your belief, then you can then you can use that as a uh, more evidence that it is the true belief. Like this other person has also gotten to this this point. So obviously it must be true. Yeah. I'm just saying Christianity, like the, the things that I grew up in and probably similar with you, Joe, where you have like, well, if you read the Bible this way, then you know that actually what Daniel's talking about here isn't the politics of the uh, fourth, uh, the fifth, fourth and third uh, centuries BCE, but actually the last hundred years of European and American politics. Right. And if, yeah. you, if you just look into it, what's a bear but communism from Russia? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And America wins. That's what God's saying here. But it's all based on that secret idea. I know you don't. Let me tell you so we can become the secret group together. Yeah, and, you know, it strikes me as you say that, that like it's there's an aspect of like I have the right interpretation of world facts, of of scriptures, of sacred knowledge. And how often do we as like liberals do that, too? You know, all the time. All the time. Yeah. And sometimes with no basis and on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I just wonder if there's um, uh, I wonder if that might be a way in which people on the right are suspicious of people on the left because we're both falling into the same fallacies, you know, like they recognize there's something wrong with us. So they can't, you know, it's a, the log in your own eye versus the sliver in your neighbor's situation. Yeah. 
Ethan, what are you thinking? Hmm. I don't know. I'm thinking about a lot of, of different things. I think I think that the points we're making about uh, the secret knowledge, I think, are, are good points. Um, you know, at what point does like critique right like like liberals are trained to or are theoretically trained to think things through in terms of critique right like ah well we're going to make this critique that's why that's why when liberals are sort of left to their own devices they end up saying very ridiculous things about Mm -hmm. you know batman or disney or you know they we, we we can't help it um and we are sort of are trained to see that interpretation that that vision of the world, you know, as, as if we've uncovered the truth. If conservatives were a little smarter, they'd be able to point to the sources of where that comes from and like explain why, right? Like they'd be able to point to Marx and be like, well, Marx shows up and, and is one of these masters of suspicion that, that, that says things like, you know, religion is, is a tool or, you know, it's not real or, or whatever. And, and, and and essentially uh, re-enchants the world as this grand illusion that we now you know believe in. And and the funny thing is is like I think for a lot of liberals, even though I think there's truth to that that like we we inherit this this sort of critical method from like Marx. Like I think a lot of liberals, if they heard that, would not agree. Right? Like hmm. you know, Marx believed that once we achieved the communist utopia that politics would simply vanish you know because politics are are just po- politics are, are are something secondary to economics like it it forms out of you know the, the the different economic injustices of the capitalist system and once the communist utopia happens there won't be any reason to have politics liberals don't believe that you know <laughs> or, or stuff like that like like i get it um yeah, I don't know. I I guess I hmm. I guess then the question is, and and this is for a lot of like postmodern thinkers, this is like they would nod and be like, "Yeah, you got it, Ethan." Like then the question becomes like, you know, how how is it? Can can we speak of like the truly true? You know, as we think through like, well, OK, if 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 the critique, which is a valid one, is liberals are really working under certain theoretical assumptions about the reality and are not necessarily describing reality accurately and conservatives are doing similar things in both their ideology, you know, and, and employing these these like insane conspiracy theories and stuff, then the question really does become, OK, well. Is it just a matter of, you know, nobody is right, nobody's wrong. We just need to accrue power in order to, you know, uh, uh, enforce our worldview. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that, but I also think I'm right. You know, like that's mm-hmm. sort of part of the issue. Like we all think, you know, the four of us think we're right. Yeah. And and honestly, if somebody showed me evidence on the contrary, the evidence would have to be a particular kind of evidence for me to to not think i'm right you know and so like what do we what do we do with that i don't know i don't know 
Yeah. Well, then it strikes me too that like we are we are exhorted to build our houses on solid rock rather on sand, so we're not washed away by every wave and every breeze. So we're kind of encouraged in scripture to be people who know that they're right, you know, mm-hmm. to not to not be so easily persuaded, and and uh, like very. Um, what's the word for somebody who believes anything that's not gullible, but like. Credulous. Credulous. That's the word I wanted. Yeah. Very credulous people will um, will walk into a conspiracy theory and be like, oh, you know, actually, it does look like those kids were actors and then like follow it from there. And that's how like they get you and they trap you in their in, in their way of thinking. And so you don't want to be that. But also, if you don't have some openness to new information, how do you grow? How do you learn? How do you build community together? But I think we also like, you know, it, it's easy to see the extremes of how this manifests of like, oh, you know, somebody goes and they're told, well, you know, they, they didn't actually kill any kids there. Um, and then you have to, you know, that's extreme. But it starts real simple. So like right now, there is a shortage in uh, um, baby formula. Mm-hmm. Because of uh, lots of supply chain issues, there was a big recall, all that stuff. Now, that's the actual reason. But people start talking about that. Oh, there's a formula, short- formula shortage. Start spreading around. Well, you know, there's this formula shortage. Focusing in so much on that without also tying it to the things that caused it. Mm-hmm. And I know that's, you know, we are descriptive people. We just say this thing has happened. But because it becomes divorced from the actual context of, um, like, everyone forgot we had a pandemic is one thing that keeps happening. It's like, why are gas prices so high? Remember that thing? (laughs) Remember that thing where you didn't leave your house? That has impact. Um, But the with this formula stuff, the conspiracy right now that certain members of uh, Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene and others, are pushing is that strategic fires in food processing plants have been set to cause formula shortages. What? So, yeah, so so that the reason that this is all happening, and of course that directs from the actual problems, that we have a supply and demand system of, of capitalism that meant that everyone underproduced, and then when the need came back in because people had gone through their stockpiles, there's not enough. And then we right. have a lack of regulation. So disease was able to enter into the formula and all these things. But now we have a compelling story that gives you a simple answer because we were all accepting the truth. Well, there's not as much formula as there should be without tying it into. And the reason behind that is. Ah, so, so by just mentioning, Oh, gas prices are high already. That feeds into the need for people to go, well, why is that? And not having, you know, some sort of backing in that, we all can fall into a conspiracy real quick. Mm. Um, why are gas prices high? Well, supply and demand issues, da 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 da. Um, greed, da 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 da. Or maybe there's a global cabal that's working to undermine the American people. You know, like gotcha. one of yeah. those requires you to sit and think for a while. One of them, you get an answer. That's true. That's true. And there's there's something very appealing. Again, that answer is steeped in hidden knowledge. So not only is it easy, but it also hits that dopamine center of I know more than you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and but then I think like 
I think that gas prices are artificially high because oil company executives have, uh, you know, profiteered off of supply and demand things. And that feels conspiratorial to me as I say it, you know, but I don't think it is. Well, you have evidence, I'm sure. (laughs) I have people on Twitter, so I should probably, you know, check that more. But but also, like, we have previous evidence from, like, gas price panics in the 70s that they did this exact thing. And we also have evidence that their profits are, in fact, huge. So that shows you that. speculation, I don't think we should, you know, chastise ourselves for for being panicky or or conspiratorial because we speculate. Hmm. Um, That's the other thing that the the internet doesn't let people do is say, well, I think this is the cause. And then people thud and like, you can't say that. You don't know. It's like, yeah, because I said, I think I don't. You, you know, true. because we are so used to bad faith actors that we mm. no longer accept that maybe someone is genuinely curious about the world. That's fair. There oh, might my. be people who are actually asking questions. They don't have TV shows, but they do <laughs> exist. Huh. Well, that's an interesting avenue. Um, I we're, we're not going to pursue that avenue because we are close to time. Uh, but Grace, I wanted to toss it to you and say, what are your thoughts about all this? Do you have any any wisdom as you've listened to this? Do you have any complaints about John? What do you want to talk about? I want my husband back. Is that your first thought? <laughs> no, it's not my first thought because this is part yeah. of you. And if I if I wanted my husband back, you'd be a different person than you are. Hmm. I mean, I think... As much as this isn't my wheelhouse of things to think about all the time, like I like I said before, it is something that I benefit from uh, secondarily by being able to understand more of the thoughts around us. I think for me, this has always been a sort of frustrating thing because so much of it is a competition, I think, from both sides hmm. um, that like... And, and we're seeing this right now with some of these conspiracy theories, especially related to like vaccines, that people who maybe are more open to the idea of vaccines that had been anti-vax before are not willing to go get a vaccine because then they they would have lost, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like that, like uh, there's, there's this drive to want to be right. And when you have to accept that you're not right, um, it's, it's difficult for people. And I think we see that on both sides. So much of, of any of these conversations between the left and the right or conspiracy theories and not conspiracy theories or different sides of conspiracy theories or whatever is I'm right, you're wrong because I have the secret knowledge and I can't accept anything else because then I'd be losing um, mm-hmm. and you would have won, uh, which is a shame and a hard thing to get through. So so much of uh, I think the benefit of him doing this deep dive is that by understanding the logic of how people can think these things, um, especially in the people in our communities that we're working with that might think these things, um, it allows us to kind of have a better in to talk about these things because we know the logic that, that they're using to get to that place, um, mm-hmm. which is why I think it is important, even though I don't particularly like it. I think it is important that he does this sort of research because it, it helps to come from a place of, I don't think you're necessarily stupid for believing these. I don't think that you even necessarily are a, a bad person. I think you maybe got into this place from a, the a, this this logical thought that led you into this next thing. Um, and you're able to talk to people who don't believe necessarily the same way that you do as a human. And that human connection is what's going to help you be able to have a conversation that someone might be open to. So. 
which yeah. is a privilege in some ways. Yes. Like we get to do this because of our context. Right. Like, and we, we talked about how frustrating this is with like Roe v. Wade's, you know, imminent downfall is like, we have to do, we sit there with people and we gradually try and get them to understand things differently. And we don't get to be bombastic as much as we'd yeah, like to be. We can't be as as loud about things that we would like to be loud about because that would immediately turn off the people that we're working with and close off any chance of having a conversation that would lead to them thinking about things in a new way. Um, which we have to acknowledge does come from a place of us thinking we're right mm-hmm. as we talk which about Which we are, but <laughs> putting that aside. Yeah. Uh, if, if in our context, we have to deal with the slow work of, of um, having conversations instead of being able to be as outspoken as maybe we would want to be, which is frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. Often, mm. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. But you also have each other to support in that ministry, right? And then I assume that you also have other people in the church who are in your corner. You're not having to persuade everybody every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that helps. That makes it, um, that makes the work doable, you know, it uh, rather than just an endless heap of frustration. <laughs> So I feel that. I feel that. Well, this has been this has been great. That kind of encouraging note to go out on that, like that's it's slow work, but there is work to do. You know, mm-hmm. I think we end up often throwing our hands in the air um, and, you know, like we all believe uh, what we believe because we think it's right. If we didn't think it was right, we would change our minds. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it goes. And then so being able to extend that empathy to somebody else and seeing how they arrived at their right uh, is, is helpful. Mm-hmm. This has been great. Thank you again for coming on and uh, taking us in a, in a different direction than I think anybody expected. But I think this is real fruitful. So we'll have to have you back on to talk more about the weird things people think. But Ethan, <laughs> will you sign us off? Yes, I can. Friends, thanks for listening. This has been a mini set of What the Hell is a Pastor. We are Spanx Reebok, the Dude, Mothman, and the Flatwoods Monster. We will see you next time. What the Hell is a Pastor is a part of the Disruptive Disciples podcast network. Our theme song is written by Joe Schoenwolf, performed by Joe Schoenwolf, Ian Oriola, and Paul Oriola, and produced by Paul Oriola. Email us at wtheckisapastor at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disruptivedisciples, on Twitter at WTHIAP, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash WTHIAP, where you can get access to Pillow Talk, merch, and some other stuff. Thanks for listening. And remember, friends, Ethan gave me all the money in his wallet.